I don't know if you guys are getting a feeling of deja vu, uh, but welcome back to Geek Bites. Uh, I'm Rich, and I'm joined as always by Stu, and we are today looking at the Netflix film Ark, spelt A-R-Q. Um, it's a few years old, but uh, yeah, we thought it looked like an interesting one. We've got a bit of a thing for Robbie Amell on this podcast, haven't we, Stu? Yeah, I was going to say, I think we should just become a Robbie Amell fan, fan cast. I mean, <laughs> we've still got two Scooby-Doo films to get through and, uh, I don't know, his turn in the Arrowverse. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm glad you recommended this one, Rich. I think you suggested it a while back and I was a bit sort of, um, I don't know, dubious about it. But I think <laughs> these these sort of random Netflix films just seem to be like a lot better than some of the big blockbusters that we've been reviewing. It just, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm probably sort of biasing the, the, the session, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm quite excited about discussing this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think Netflix just kind of throws so much stuff out there and some of it sticks and some of it doesn't looking at you Cloverfield paradox. <laughs> and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, um, it's a case of identifying the correct ones to try and do a podcast episode on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was certainly, definitely well in our wheelhouse. Bit of sci-fi, bit of um, uh, well, bit of a uh, time travel, time paradoxes maybe. Bit, bit of, of violence, why not? Yeah, uh, classic actors from uh, sci-fi slash geeky TV shows. Um, you know, we're crossing over the uh, the DC and the Marvel TV universes here. Oh really? Uh, what was the what was the overlap? I must have missed that one. Uh, so Rachel Taylor plays um, Patty in Jessica Jones. And, oh, okay. Um, obviously, Robbie Amell plays um, Firestorm in uh, in uh, DCEU. Not yeah. DCEU, the, um, the Arrowverse. Did, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I don't really remember much about Jessica Jones. So um, <laughs> is Patty her radio broadcast friend or whatever? The one that's, that's right, going to be yeah. the cat woman or whatever. Um, yeah, she becomes um, she becomes a superhero in her own right. I forget what um, I forget what her name is though. Wait, well, since I've watched that show, did it get well, cancelled? Did it get renewed for season three? I can't remember. I know they've all got cancelled, didn't they? All of that jazz. I mean, unless yeah, they're going to bring it back on Disney Plus. Um, Jessica Jones, something something cat like Wild Cat or something. Yeah, there you go, Wild Cat. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, she was um, she was okay. Um, I mean that was a good show, Jessica Jones. Um, she was probably the weakest part of it, but not to say she was particularly bad. It's just the rest of it was fairly strong. I think the character was written quite needy as well. Like she was, just, yeah, because she was the one that was in love with that soldier guy that was on the nuke drug, wasn't it? So he was like, you know, become like all pumped up and roided and whatever. Um, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> Quite a feminist show that still gets let down by uh, anti-feminist tropes. Exactly. Always in love with someone an anti-feminist thing. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Yeah, Hellcat. That was the character. I've just googled it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> cool. Um. So yeah, back back to Ark. I think I think we're going to call it Ark. I think that's what they call it in the film. The um, <clears throat> yeah. So um, have you got a uh, you got a one sentence review? Yeah. Um. I think this sums it up well. Groundhog Day in a dystopia. Right. Okay. Well. Uh. Yeah. I obviously get that. It's very descriptive. I was. I went for a slightly different vibe. Back to the Future with more guns and with less time. Oh, and less incest. Also less incest. Very yeah. true. I mean, I was going to put dyst- um, suburbia dystopia, but it didn't rhyme as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I yeah, I could sort of get that. I mean, I suppose. Yeah, it's got that whole loop thing, and you get repeating the same thing in Back to the Future, isn't it? Just not as much as maybe Groundhog Day. Well, um, of course, in Back to the Future, there's this theory that actually Marty dies like thousands of times, and Doc is always right there where he needs to be because we're seeing the final attempt. Like Doc always, Doc always messes it up like a thousand times every time he saves Marty before he actually sees it. So there's many alternative universes where Marty dies what? seven times through the uh, trilogy. What? Yeah. <laughs> so okay. it's quite, quite a while I went through that vibe. I went, well, sorry, it's been a bit of a dark week. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty messed up. Oh god. Poor uh, old Mark. Saved him from Parkinson's at least, but <laughs> uh, God. Um but yeah, I mean I, I suppose we're both on the same same thing with ours, isn't it? It's kind of a there's a time loop going on and 
there's lots of violence and dystopian stuff going on and you know yeah why not i mean it's basically like the biff world if 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 the biff version of the future and back to the future there was like a whole universe with that and biff had like psychotic drones and was owned like an amazon style monopoly company that was taking over the whole of america and had kept, right, yeah. the and basically kept, part. yeah and kept the pope in in a cupboard or something i don't know um, this could have been this could all well because this deals with strong corporations maybe this is a spiritual sequel to back to the future and maybe the taurus corporation is uh is buzz's uh biff even sorry biff some um, biff's biff's brainchild he's the uh exactly he's the mastermind behind yeah. it it's, yeah yeah could be i mean i like the, the sort of link there or maybe it's the um the, <laughs> the very tangential tangential link but the or it could be the uh, ground top from ground uh, but yeah i mean what's your overall impressions apart from it you know being a ground um good romeo amor vehicle again I mean, firstly, it was um, I like quite like films that are quite self-contained, and actually, I read that the budget was less than two million dollars for this film. Wow, um, quite believable. Um, they obviously just needed one set, little bit of um, little bit of uh, CGI for the um device itself, and then other than that, people just running around shooting guns at each other, basically. Um, yep. Yeah. So yeah, it was nicely self-contained, um, fairly easy to follow. I mean, I think often with these kind of films you run in there's always a point where it out paradoxes itself um and it stops making sense um but in this case they managed to keep it all making sense i felt anyway um so that's not not always the easiest thing to do now the thing is that that's i think that's because they didn't quite it wasn't quite time travel it was almost like they were in a self-contained loop while the rest of the world was going on outside as far as i could tell um I hope I didn't get that wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, that was my understanding. I mean, I'll come back to that later because that leaves me a massive question. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of. <laughs> no, I, I, question, we'll see. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you in the sense that it's. I like the fact it was like a small cast, one location, and they managed to provide an engaging story. You know, it just goes to show what can be done, like you say, with like under two million pounds. Um, and it seems like. Like Canada seems to be a good place for these movies because it wasn't Freaks from Canada as well, and it's a similar similar thing basically. Yeah, I think Canada has a very um a very favourable uh, tax breaks system for filming yeah, movies there, and sort of probably everyone in every cafe is a visual effects artist because they can't find work because there's so much I don't know so many of them don't know how to do it or something. Yeah. Or like yeah, everyone... Vancouver's the place to go. Was this was probably filmed in Vancouver? Yeah. Uh, only, it's always vancouver or georgia isn't it georgia's got tax breaks as well i think yeah england england has some and then we've got all our big studios um but yeah <laughs> probably not as good i mean that's the th- i mean i'm gonna go off on another side but they do spider-man films filming in freaking atlanta now how the hell do you replicate new york in atlanta like atlanta I mean, yeah it must be a hell of a tax break mustn't it to make yeah. that worthwhile <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, yeah i suppose yeah i'll get we'll, we'll film him next to a building that's about 10 floors tall and then we'll see giant the rest of them um, <laughs> you know that's why i think the newer films don't feel as authentic as your, your first two trilogies or you know whatever because of the fact that you know they didn't they don't have that sense of new york the others were filmed in new york thus you felt you were there which is the whole point of spider-man whereas this is just like Oh, hey, I'm me, you know, I'm going to go off around, I don't know, various countries because it makes it easier than filming in New York. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, we're not here to review that. Um, yeah, for the sake of it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, let's uh, forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a... Don't be dissing. Uh, <laughs> cool. So, I mean, what did you think about the characters in this thing? You said it was quite self-contained, small group. Um, yeah, I mean, so I couldn't quite figure out if um, Renton, uh, Robbie Amell's character, was uh, some sort of genius or just an everyman. He certainly didn't give off genius vibes um, and he certainly didn't give off, you know, the what you'd usually expect, sort of mildly you know, antisocial slash uh, geeky. He just seemed, yeah. Yeah, not a particular narcissist. He just seemed a particularly normal guy, um, which kind of made me slightly disbelieve that he would have come up with this amazing um amazing machine because uh, it is a pretty amazing machine we'll come on to that and um but yeah I, I didn't quite find him believable in the role as a super genius 
um, you know, maybe, and maybe that's my own prejudices coming through. You know, maybe I think, um, I mean, look, put it this way: I work with a lot of clever people in my job, and a lot of them are not exactly socially adept. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, and it kind of makes me, uh, to be honest, the better they are at their job, that's more true. Um, yeah. so does that mean that I'm saying you know, I'm rubbish at my job, or am I a social freak? Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> but it says um, it says in the Wikipedia page that Robbie Amor is an engineer. So I suppose there's a distinction between engineers and scientists, isn't it? Scientists might be the more swatty, cranial sort of antisocial ones. Engineers are the more practical, hands dirty thing. And maybe he's more of the sort of yeah, ap- maybe created someone else's design, maybe. Yeah, he applied the science from somewhere else, or he was tinkering and stuff, because he seemed to be working for the mega corporation at the beginning, wasn't it? Um, so maybe, you know, they funded this engineer and, you know, uh, through some dumb luck, he may have built this thing and realised what its potential is, and that's why he ran away with it. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I mean, I'll let you get back to your bit in a second, but I agree completely with the fact he was really relatable um, and really human and sort of like he was a good um what's the word like the character that you follow all the way through and i think you know you said it was easy to understand the loops i think it's because they were based around him being alive so basically it was you were only seeing scenes that he was aware of and you were only seeing it from his perspective so every time he died the loop resets you knew what was going on and you weren't aware of what was going on elsewhere you had to other people had to tell him what was going on elsewhere um yeah, so i think yeah. that was a nice way of keeping it all quite streamlined and quite understandable for people anyway i was like it's the term viewer surrogate i believe yeah but i'll let you get back to your uh overview of the characters yeah um okay yeah so i think yeah maybe he's more of an engineering kind of guy than a yeah so a bit more bit more of a jock which is uh, a bit more believable um i mean the rest of them didn't get a massive amount of characterization obviously we had um hannah uh rachel taylor's character being um quite duplicitous and stuff uh, but you know at first uh, i certainly didn't see that coming at first um but yeah, we may well come back to that as well. Um, <laughs> but she was fairly, um, she was fairly, fairly cookie cutter, I suppose, just kind of a general. You didn't get much background. Then the rest of them were all sort of quite. Yeah, I, I don't think characterization wasn't really what this film was about. Um, we didn't see that much of it, and but I'm not sure we really needed to. It was more about just the situation they found themselves in, certainly for the rest of the villains. Uh, I mean, they were all called um, father, sonny and brother and cousin, um, which was I don't really know what that was about. I mean, funny how you said um, there's no incest in this film, but they, they all just randomly call each other family members for some reason anyway. Not that yeah. any of them were uh, carrying on with each other, as far as we know. Um, oh, in fact, sorry, yeah, uh, Hannah was carrying on with one of the uh, one of the guys, wasn't she? She was his boyfriend. She, he was her was, boyfriend. It was father, wasn't it? Because that was her. So, I mean, at least that bit made sense, and it wasn't too much of a you know family affair. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, we didn't really see too much. Of the rest of them, you had the um, you had the uh, big tough um, mercenary guy, and they were like, oh, he's a mercenary. Like a mercenary is almost like a. Uh, yeah exactly mercs are just uh, they're heroes that walk the earth rather than just some guy who can be hired to you know could be anyone um but yeah they think clearly think he was amazing um and they couldn't really take him on uh so yeah i think um i think the rest of them were all quite no nothing really to note from them i don't think unless you're gonna correct me uh i mean i think like I mean, I, you'll probably touch on the whole Hannah reveal thing. But like for me, I think up until the bit where she didn't gas him to death, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is interesting. Oh, this is a poor couple. I wonder what's happening here. And when she didn't gas him to death, I'm like, yeah, she's dodgy. Something's going to go wrong there. You know, she's obviously in with him or she knows more than she says and stuff like that. Um, so there was that. I think out of the others, like you said, the others, everyone apart from Sonny was quite cookie cutter. They were just there for a couple of loops. I think the psycho one that turned up at the end that she burnt to death, uh, he was quite good. Like, you know, he went from being just a corpse on the floor to being quite a sinister character. But I think Sonny, the guy that was stalking him the whole time, the Merc, I liked how he made him, you know, he wasn't just like a dumb guy with a gun. He actually had a brain about him and he could work stuff out. So like, there's the whole scene where um, they trap him and start gassing him both. And he yeah. realises that he needs another loop in order to win. So they basically sets up this elaborate scheme, uh, which kills Hannah. So then Renton's forced to do another loop. I think that was that just goes to show he's not just a guy with 
guns that just stalks and kills people you know he's got a bit more about him so i think he was kind of a nice foil to renton and i think they were both down to earth clever people if that makes sense so it's not like you know reed ricks reed richard's super brain versus i don't know a thug you know wolverine or whatever it's kind of like you know they're both equal levels of intelligence uh, whereas renton's the more i don't know well, every man like you say and sonny's the representative of the man and i think that was kind of well done um yeah, I, I kind of I thought Sonny was quite a good character. Um, you know, it, yeah, like it, they did make him out to be an Ubermensch, but I suppose if you're just a regular weedy scientist and a, a half time revolutionary, um, you might not be able to stop him, especially when because of the loops, he's got the upper hand because A, he's got the gun, B, he can kill their allies before they even know what's happening, um, and C, he can bring another back, bloke back from the dead by stopping him from being electrocuted. So it's kind of like. Yeah. You know, from that sense, that they've, you know, that the fact that he's literally only got 20 seconds or something, or not even that 10 seconds before they all storm in the door for most of the loops. It's kind of like, yeah. how the hell are you going to prepare yourself to stop Sonny if that's the case? Um, yeah, but I think, yeah, characterization-wise, the other two, you know, you've got the young, naive one, and you've got the... Uh, well, one of them was dead for half of it, wasn't he? Until yeah. <laughs> he figured out how to save him. <laughs> yeah, but then you've got the other young naive one that gave him four apples rather than three because of the fact that he knew that Marvel was one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grim, the boyfriend, which I don't know, he wasn't particularly sinister, so I don't know what they were positioning him as being sinister or to being a threat. But it was obviously when you see Stunny stalking around that he was the real threat. It's just kind of like, why was Grim meant to be the one in charge? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was just playing it on the down low, Sonny was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you mentioned um the twist. I, I think we've well, let's come on to the twist now quickly because let's just get it this, walked, which walked twist? Through. There's several twists, but are you talking well, about the Hannah one? Or? Okay. Yeah. So this was what I was going to say to you. It'd be interesting to which see which we see as the main twist. So yeah, let's talk about that Hannah one. Um, and it, I don't think this was the really good. This was not kind of like the main twist because when it was revealed, I was a bit like, oh, okay, you know, I felt like at the time that we might be like, oh wow, I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, but it was quite early on in the film that we actually figured out that she was working with the baddies. Um, I think it was only about twenty, thirty minutes in yeah. that he figured it out. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's one. Uh, yeah, that's that was obviously um quite well done. And yeah, like you say, she uh, she um refused to gassed them and at first she played it off like oh no i just couldn't do it um and i I'm kind of believed her but um, yeah. yeah i kind of believed her um obviously you didn't um but i yeah after that it was quite obvious what had happened um and so they had been she basically knew that he had all this money or scripts or whatever um because he was i think sunny basically came along with them to get the machine didn't he whereas um the rest of them were just interested in the in the scripts yeah um so yeah i mean it was and then the the way that um he kind of turned around and got her to help him and then she slowly became aware of it as well so i think that was kind of like the next twist that people slowly become more aware of what's actually going on they start to be able to remember it all but did um, you did you tweak why that was happening um i couldn't give you a scientific explanation as to why that was happening they did mention that the farther you are from the machine yeah. the longer it takes you to realize i thought um, that was bs i mean the, the reason i figured <laughs> out was because it's basically every time someone dies they remember so like he died first then he remembered then she died in the loop when she remembered she died just before remembering the same with sunny they finally bashed his head in and he remembered and then right. that was when he woke up and shot the other two and then after that, they remembered. Okay. Um, so it's, I, it's, I, but what about the guy who was electrocuted right at the start? Is it because he was being electrocuted within seconds of the loop restarting? His electrocution, that's the point. It started the loop, so there's no way that Sonny should have been able to save him. But I suppose yeah. lo- logic goes out the window with time travel things, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, we'll just but, to that. Yeah, Maybe. we'll hand wave that one. But yeah, yeah. but, but now, that, now that I've said it, you kind of get it. It's kind of like, oh, right, OK, you know. Yeah, I mean, that makes a bit more sense. Cause, but they definitely did say at some point it's to do with how far you are from the machine, didn't they? But I don't think, I think that was just him speculating. But I don't. Oh, you know. OK. Yeah. yeah. So I've got to keep you away from the machine. No, it was because they were literally from. Yeah, they were literally next to the machine. No, yeah. Anyway, it was death. Basically, if you watch it again, it was basically every time someone died, they remembered up the next loop. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, that's certainly the way how it happened with um Hannah, wasn't it? So yeah. Yeah. yeah and Sunny. Um, 
Cool. Uh, so, yeah, so that was that twist. And like you say, I kind of, I think, like, because it was so early and it was so obvious and the rest of the film couldn't have happened without it, it was kind of like, well, if that was the only twist in the film, it wouldn't have really, really been that worthwhile or that engaging, would it? It's kind of like, oh, it would have it would just, it would just been a nice, uh, what is it, what they call it, like, story turn points or whatever. I can't remember what the screenwriting term is it, but, like, you know, it's a pivot point or whatever, you know, oh, things are going to go just slightly differently. But it wasn't really a twist. It was just a kind of a reveal. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in, in that case, um, yeah, it was just, it is what it is, really. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was, it wasn't a, yeah, it wasn't a twist. It wasn't a twist. So should we, are there any more twists? I know the last twist, but did you see any well, twists on the say, way? Say, save, the, save the last twist to last, I think. Okay, fair, fair um, play. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I think that was it. Um, it was just a little bit almost like a heist movie, lots of people double crossing each other um like oceans 11 or something yeah uh, so yes yeah, one form of uh plot telling device uh yeah. yeah yeah but um in terms of the the world building what did you think about the sort of what the way they were pitching this place and the sort of the, how they were positioning it in in the world around them and stuff i mean i couldn't really exactly figure out what was going on i mean i think i know when they went outside of the house towards the end obviously they grabbed their um gas masks and that didn't they yeah um, so obviously, um, and I don't think it was made clear what had actually happened to make that required, whether it was global warming or whether it was um, some sort of uh, war or anything like that. But um, what was obviously quite clear is that the corp- this corporation, Taurus, kind of ran, runs runs the world now, runs um, where it's supposed to be set. I'm assuming that's uh, USA. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it kind of just... Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd wanted to see more of it. It feels like seeing more of it wasn't particularly necessary. It almost feels like they kind of dangled too much irrelevant information and then didn't follow up on it. It's like they could have got away with either giving less information or more information. It's like when they started talking about Taurus and scripts and stuff, you think, oh, we're going to find out more about what Taurus is. Are we going to find out more about what scripts are? But yeah, no, I don't think we ever really got explained what scripts are exactly. We just expected to kind of recognise, oh, scripts are their money or whatever. But why not just call it money or something? I'm not, you know, is it kind of like in Fallout where they switched over to bottle caps as a form of currency? Are scripts their equivalent of that? In which case, what are they exactly? And they pulled them out of the safe and they looked like nothing. I couldn't really figure out what they were meant to be. Yeah, um, it seemed like it was you owned shares in a company or you owned something in stock of a company. Like it was because they were like, this is such and such scripts. And it's like, no, we don't want that one because that's, a, you know, and this is such and such scripts. So it's like they're going for various companies or different various. So it's basically like different money in it. So like in the Star Wars uh, books or whatever, you've got like the, the New Republic currency versus the Imperial currency versus, I don't know, whatever, the, the Hutz trade or whatever in Star Trek. You've got yeah, yeah. Uh, platinum or whatever so it's probably the same as that there's lots of different currencies going on within the same country now after this dystopian well, event yeah, or something. maybe it's actually the um it's it, yes yeah, actually the um companies are almost so big that they're almost sovereign states and they've actually got their they actually issue their own money now yeah yeah um, and it's like one of those you know like back in the day where you got the, sh- the shop money so you can only pay for the shop uh, pay in your employer's shop so basically they yeah. just paid you in the stuff to pay themselves i suppose that's what amazon will be like eventually when it when it sort of take yeah. over the world but um I don't know. I, I agree. It was kind of uh, I liked that they gave it a frisson of what's happening in the world, but they didn't give you enough to really get a good picture of what's going on. It was kind of just just confused you with a bunch of different references and points. And it's kind of like, you know, that news stuff. I was trying to listen to it. And it's sort of stuff like the one of the coasts was there was like a, a either a nuclear thing going on or something was melting or there's a battle going on. And it was really hard to follow because like each time you'd hear different chunks of it. I mean, the only thing I remember was the Pope was a woman. And one of them said that she's been locked up for years and she works for Taurus. But another one said, oh, this is day, I remember seeing this before. And that was kind of a nice little hint and about the fact that they have been through his loop several times. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, so that was kind of a nice touch on that. But yeah, when they, I mean, I suppose this isn't really spoiling the twist, but when they walked outside the house and they looked at the world around them, that looked pretty messed up. That looked like, I mean... You know, like all these films, because it's just a one set thing, you know, expect them to have a newspaper on the windows and the house to look a bit grotty, because that's what you used to from these Canadian films by now. Um, yeah, yeah. You don't want to show the outside. But as soon as you go outside, you're like, oh, God, it was a bit dark. 
Um, but, you know, the way that they were positioning it with her and him having a nice little lane and whatever, with a little alarm clock, you wouldn't expect it to be literally dystopia outside, like literally the end of, you know, like probably after the apocalypse. But then I suppose that could be leading to the twist, which we'll talk about later. But it just seemed like there was sort of a bit of a weird disconnect between, I don't know, what you expect. I don't know. It it, it was the just fact, hard. Gone. Yeah, well, the fact that he had kind of had apples and that was considered something pretty amazing by the people burgling him but he obviously had them for somewhere was he growing them in his house or something or yeah because there was a hydroponics bit at one point wasn't yeah it? oh yeah that's right yeah so yeah he was growing them in his house so it's obviously pretty bad if like stuff just isn't growing outside anymore because apples are easy to grow in um in america anyone can grow them really and then I suppose if people are wearing gas masks, then there must be something wrong with the atmosphere or something. But then yeah. I suppose anything that kills humans, like carbon dioxide, is good for plants. So I suppose too much of anything is going to kill you. Um, but if, if it's that bad, how have they still got massive corporations running the show? I mean, you'd think a corporation, a huge thing like that, would be the first thing to collapse in a dystopia. Because large organisations just don't survive dystopias. Yeah. Um, everyone just goes too much, every man for themselves. Yeah, but then that's where the whole war stuff's going on, isn't it? So you've got the rebels and the sort of, the, you know, the corporation trying to fight each other. So yeah, maybe they're kind of, or maybe different corporate, different corporations fighting each other. Maybe they're kind, maybe they're kind of in no man's land between two corporations fighting. Yeah. Each other. Like it's, it'd almost be like the world of Judge Dredd, where you've got mega cities and just wasteland in between them. So that they're in the, oh, what's it, Third Earth? No, not Third Earth. That's Thunderbirds, isn't it? The, <laughs> what was it called the um you know what i mean i could re- probably reach one of my judge Dredd books and check but i'd never find the right part cursed earth cursed earth there you go yeah yeah um, <laughs> now that i found that out i I'm, i wish I, I'm, I'm, why did i even bother cracking my brain it wasn't that enlightening um but anyway it's um <laughs> cursed earth. oh i feel better now um yeah. but yeah i don't know it's um yeah, it was it was an interesting world, um, but yeah, not enough of it. And like you say, he worked for the company. Then he went off and lived in a little house in the middle of nowhere. And she got thrown away in a camp somewhere. That's what we understood. And that's how she ended up teaming up with these rebels. Um, so, you know, it's kind of this big, bigger picture going on that we don't really need to know much about because that doesn't really relate to this little story going on in the house. So I think yeah. in a way they, they gave you enough to know about to give them more motivations and to have these philosophical discussions, which we'll probably get onto next, um, but not enough to, well, in, on into a second, but not enough to overwhelm you and to make you think, oh, hold on, I would, we are watching a film about that. Um, are you interested in finding any more about this world? I'm, I'm, personally, I'm, I'm not. I feel like it'd be one of those things that if we did find out more about it, they wouldn't really know where to go with it. Like, yeah. And it's probably best to just leave it. Oh, yeah, bloody corporations. It's like Freaks and Code 8 and The Boys and whatever, isn't it? You kind of you know enough to see your main characters in this world, but you don't really need to know anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, although there was one bit where, she, where they're having this argument about what to do with the arc because of this whole, it can loop time thing. And she's just like, you know, imagine any battle, we can go back in time and reset and blah, blah, blah. I would have loved to have seen that. It'd be like bloody command the conquer, you know, like just using whatever the, the chronosphere to go back in time to fix a move 10 steps back or whatever. Um, well, so, would it be more like um, edge of tomorrow, that Tom Cruise film. <laughs> oh yeah it's better keep yeah, killing him open. but yeah. that's i mean yeah so to be fair that's probably where you know i just um <laughs> but yeah but, but i got inspired by that because the idea of like you know this dystopian future where a bunch of freedom fighters are fighting against this thing but they you know oh no we're about to lose oh yeah, let's try again um but yeah how do you remember what you need to fix and blah 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 do you tattoo it on yourself is that that's not gonna work is it um and also they were starting to experience pain from the previous death, weren't it, and stuff. So that was quite interesting how all that works. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I'll, I'll let you move on to the next uh, session or, or next uh, topic. So well, the, how the time loop was handled. I mean, so first let's touch on something you said there about um the uh, how they felt pain. So was that just mental or was it actually their body? Was it just the memory of the pain that they were feeling or was their body actually feeling the pain? Had it kind of been healed, reverse healed type thing, but not quite right? Or was it literally just their subconscious knew something had happened? It was like, hold on, I thought I thought I lost an arm or whatever. My arm feels a bit funny now. Um, and I think that kind of 
it's we're describing this as a time loop but it's not really a time loop you're not traveling back in time you're almost rewinding back and forward you're going all the way forward and then are you actually going back to the you're actually looping back to the start of it or are you rewinding back to the start of it um and that's something that wasn't quite clear to me i think and i feel like the fact that the they're feeling pain suggests it's a rewind. Ah, so I, I think I would have thought it's like a mental loop, uh, like a, a loop. But mentally, they remember that there was pain. So I think that the only pain they remembered was the pain from the death. Um, right. So you know, I died. The first thing I remember then is waking up, remembering that I died and I had this pain. Um, so it's kind of your, your brain shunted all the way back. Uh, the last thing you remember is having a bullet hole in your stomach or being throttled to death or whatever. So thus you feel that pain and then your body's sort of like, oh, all right, that pain's not happening anymore. Let's move on. So it's sort of like yeah. a phantom limb I mean, thing. For a second, yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah, okay. And then with the, um, and then how does that fit with the actual technology itself? Because I think at one point they say, oh, this is a perpetual motion machine. It's got unlimited energy. Oh, and we find out how's it actually doing that. Oh, because it produces the energy and then it rewinds the star and uses the same fuel it already used to produce more energy. Um, but the flip side of that is it has to keep rewinding everything around it to the start. So yeah. that's looping back and using the energy again so yeah i suppose this is that fits more with it being a loop rather than a rewind doesn't it oh yeah so your yeah. energy could be a brain signals or whatever i mean with that in mind though how does the computer remember that there's been multiple loops like you know it seems oh because the computer hard drives within the sphere the, the arc isn't it yeah um, yeah, it's with, yeah. Th- that was very hand wavy because yeah everyone yeah. puts a hard drive inside the perpetual motion machine um yeah but yeah i, I don't know it's uh, and also, they, then afterwards, it's just like, well, actually, it means it doesn't make power, does it? It just kind of recycles a bunch of power. So it's not actually a useful tool for powering the world. And yeah. So is he actually using the power for anything, though? Is it is that what's powering his hydroponics and stuff? Or yeah. Or is, no, is he just got it running? No, because that's why he's got still got an um, uh, aircon system, wasn't it? Because he had the power oh. to run it. And she was just like, oh, you've still got aircon or whatever. He's like, yeah. Um, so it is working, then. It is yeah. working. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Maybe it's working because of the time loop thing. And if you don't, it's like I don't know. You know that um, Stephen King book, the 16, 1968 or whatever. It's the one about oh, JFK. Yeah, yeah. JFK one. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't see it in the film, uh, the show, but in the book they talk about how the guy who owns the canteen, uh, the, the, the diner, where he went back in time through, um, he was always like selling steak for really cheap and stuff like that. And um, everyone would appreciate the steak that he bought. And the reason they appreciate the steak he bought was because he went back in time to the 60s to buy the steak to feed the people in the 2010s or whatever. Right, and it's yeah. kind of like, you know, but then does that steak still exist and stuff? Because every time he goes back in there, he resets time. So it's kind of like, you know, it's a similar thing, isn't it? You're feeding people stuff that doesn't really exist. You know, he's using energy from a thing that the energy doesn't really exist because. But right, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, probably why. Found, that's what, found first paradox, haven't we? Yeah, sorry, in my brain setting, just explaining that. But um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just on a little aside from the um, overall thoughts. I'm looking at the production company list. And, you know, like when you watch one of these films and it's like it's got about 10 production companies before it starts. Usually yeah. like this is a sign of a terrible film. I mean, yeah. I think this one was all right, even though it had quite a few. Um, yeah, I don't know why I mentioned that. But it's, it's a good sign. If people see like 20 production companies and um, some of them are Chinese, you know, to run. Um, yeah, good point, because, yeah. Yeah. lead animators and all that in 20 odd funnily enough when did um when did we stop seeing credits at the start of films that remember that when that was always the case like think back to the musicals like wizard of Oz, they run through the entire director directed by cut starring music by blah 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 blah. no you don't have that anymore you you have a title card if you're lucky and then you don't see any credits until the end of the film uh maybe it was like like Star Wars or something like that. Sort of, you just get straight into it. Like that sort of blockbuster period. Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars yeah. that would, would have been one of the first, actually. Yeah, you're but, right. but but then Forrest Gump had them, didn't it? Like because I remember the feather falling down and all that. And I, I think dear Toy Story and stuff, they had it. So I suppose it just depends on the film and the, the sort of the how they want to do it. Like if they just want to get going or they want to just show it at the end. Um, yeah. Whereas with TV, you're still 
TVs can still go either way. Sometimes you have credits still playing on a TV show like 15 minutes into the show. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, the Netflix ones are really t- like uh, the last episode of Discovery. I mean, we won't talk about plot because we don't spoil it for anyone. But like, I was watching that and I was just like, sort of like, when's the credits going to roll? When's the credits going to roll? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, there they are. Um, and because I couldn't be asked, I skipped them. But um, yeah, yeah. No- normally I'd actually sit and enjoy them. I mean, I don't like the visuals, but I think the music's all right. Um, yeah it's good music it's always about the only thing it's about the closest thing to original star trek that that show's got isn't it yeah Uh, (laughs) we're going to do an episode on that guys when when the series over um but yeah (laughs) going back to the time loop um i think it's it's crazy that it's all happened by accident and the guy didn't even know uh i mean it's good that he he twigged it quite quickly because i think he wouldn't have been a very good super genius engineer if he hadn't twigged it um I do like the kind of films where it's all going over the same things over and over again and you want to waiting to see the minute changes and how well they affect things. And like, you know, the, the, the bit where I mentioned about the fact that she, uh, Sonny sets a trap where the girl and uh, Renton finally managed to gas Sonny and Cuz um, and, you know, Sonny's about to die, but he knows that he needs to reset in order to you know win. Um, so he basically shoots Cuz, you know, apologizes, kills Cuz, sets up a trap and then kills himself. Uh, and when Renton and uh, Hannah go in there, they're just about to turn the machine off, live happily ever after. But rather than just leaving it alone, she goes and has a look at a note written on Sunny. Uh, and, <laughs> and was it rainbow or something? I don't know, it's, uh, whatever the word was. But basically, the, the word means to reset the system or something. And um, after she read that, the blood electrocutes her because the machine's touching the blood, touching her. Yeah, that was, that was grotesque, wasn't it? Getting electrocuted <laughs> through someone else's blood. Yeah, it was pretty twisted, but it shows how a how clever Sunny is, and b how like the, you know the, these things can quite quite stale if you're watching the same thing over and over again. It's just I like the way they kept mixing it up, and so yeah, then, they did, didn't they? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. and then like you've got the guys be like, oh yeah, I, I've sent deja vu, so then Sunny shoots them, and then the next time around they don't mention the deja vu, and they all pretend to be you know, oh we'll go and get them, and then they go upstairs and tell <laughs> yeah, them, yeah. you know, it's stuff like that. It's kind of like um you know just. And every time I was watching it, I was waiting like, oh, what's going to change this time? And I was just looking forward to the next loop. So when it got towards the end and you're thinking, oh, no, there's not going to be another loop now. That's disappointing. You know, these things could just go on forever, couldn't they? Um, obviously, the actors wouldn't want to do that. But, um, you know, it's just quite exciting in the sense that there's so many possibilities. And I just like you like the whole Groundhog Day. He killed himself just for a laugh to see what happened. Blah, blah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, interesting you say about like it could have gone on forever. I think that kind of leads us nicely to the twist, doesn't it? Which is the last twist, which is that it turns out they've been doing it. They've been doing nine loops, and I'm sure I think if we were to count it back, we would see there were nine in the film, and they've done that thousands of times. He finds out there's there's loads saved yeah. on the hard drive, and they've been doing it over and over. So this throws up a, a lot of questions, a lot of questions. Um, Firstly, obviously, he goes back in and says, oh, maybe we'll get it right for this time. You know, what, what on earth makes him think he's going to get it right this time? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, repeat. Li- that's literally the definition of insanity is doing something again and expecting different results. But didn't so someone was, even say that in the film? Someone said that. Like, yeah, um, he did say it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he, he said that at one point when he was uh, in an argument with Hannah, didn't he? Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that. And then my question is, right, so this is kind of what one thing I don't quite understand about how it works. If this has been running for however many years, and I think you've touched on this already, yeah. is this why he goes out of it and says, and the world's in tatters? Is it because they've all been sitting in this time, like, time loop, him and all the, 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 um, the robbers, they've been sitting in this time loop for years and years and years. You know, when they last went in, the world wasn't all as destroyed as it is now um so is time carrying on on the outside yeah that this is this was my massive question because they get to this border don't they where um the the time thing ends and you see like all this decayed uh plants and whatever underneath it and he was just like touching it and he's like oh you know this must be where the time field ends it's like okay that's interesting but what about the dystopia in front of you why don't you mention that um but you know is that and that's you know like there was no shock from them when they saw that skyline. So either A, they've been through the loop so many times that they remember the fact that each, you know, like, you know, like when you're a frog, not you're a frog, but you're a saucepan and as it boils, if you boil it up, it will die. But if, if you stick it in the hot water, it doesn't die. It could yes. be a similar thing in a sense. Sorry about the analogy, but it could be the same thing. It could be like, 
know, whilst they're in the loop, the world could be slowly going to hell around them. But because they're seeing it fractionally get worse, worse, worse every single loop, they kind of they're not aware of it because the stuff's happening around. You know, like it's kind of I don't know. They're remembering it as the dystopia rather than as what they're used to. Um, but I don't know. Another thing that I've noticed when I was just Googling the time when their loop ends is it's actually about two hours that they're looping. So it's not actually, I thought it was like a day or something, but it's only two hours. So even Yeah, if, it's like quite short. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, let's imagine that they're doing it for 9,000 times or something. Just so, uh, uh, so let's see how many hours that is. No, 18,000. 18, uh, is, so that's about five years or something, I think. Yeah. So that's not too bad. It's kind of like, you know, it couldn't might not go that far. Um, but my my thing that really throws this and this is I don't know if you picked up on this is, you know, every time Sonny got a little radio, you're like, this is Sonny or this is Rosebud or whatever. Um, I found the package. Send someone in to get it for me. And it's just like, well, hold on a minute. These people have been waiting for five years, 10 years, 20 years for him to phone in and say, I've got the package. It's like, well, how are these people? And it's the same team outside every time he phones up saying, I've got this package. I mean, it might not be the same team. Maybe I'll have to watch it again. But just get what I'm saying. It's something like. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. So the only way that that works is if they didn't know exactly where he was going, because maybe he had to meet up with Hannah and Hannah was the one who told them where this person was. And she was the only one who knew. So his people, his bosses or whatever, don't actually know exactly where he is. So that's why they don't come looking for him. But. If he's been declared dead for five years, or they must be really annoyed with him, keep ringing him up and saying we've got the package, and then never really have to collect it. So it's uh, maybe maybe radio waves can't get out of the um. But who's he talking to? Oh. Yeah, it, this is a paradox. You know, this is where it gets a bit weird, isn't it? Because every oh, time does, he he actually, up, does someone actually reply? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And then remember, the robot turns up like um at the end, so someone is waiting to do this thing. But then it resets and it starts again. But then the outside shouldn't reset if the bubble doesn't last that long. So they're like, well, we've sent about 100 robots to this thing so far and they never seem to win. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then you think they send more than a robot to investigate. It's just, I don't know. You'd wow. expect like a, a Taurus, like bloody whole army around this thing looking at it because they've had the coordinates for like 20 years and they can't get in the bloody thing. It's just, yeah, you see what I'm going for. It just froze me a bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um. I hadn't thought I hadn't thought that through. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah, that's a massive hole, actually, isn't it? The robot and the person on the other end of the radio, um, because that kind of leads to my other um, other point. You know, they've been doing it for 18,000, 9000 loops. What if someone stumbled into the house on loop 5000 or something? Yeah, that have things. Some just random like some looter or even like it could have been anyone like a dog yeah. or a squirrel or something would they kind of then be stuck in the loop as well you'd think so yeah um, and would it slowly as as time goes on as the years pass are more and more people just going to get sucked into this loop and uh until <laughs> until the whole loop just slowly contains every single person in the world and it reaches the freaking mass <laughs> and then every time they wake up <laughs> pressed against thousands of other people <laughs> just collapses in on itself like a black hole (laughs) (laughs) but i suppose but if someone turns in in loop five then it depends what time they turn in so they they might only appear halfway through loop five so what the hell they're doing for the rest of the loop yeah oh god that squirrel just doesn't exist until halfway through loop five then they turn up yeah Oh, God, this is why we don't like these sort of sci-fi time travel things. I think it would just break our brains. At least at least you've got the brains to think about this stuff, though, isn't it? You kind of, you know, oh, God. I mean, oh, I don't know how to. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, you've broken me, man. Yeah. Um, it, so this is actually this is actually like a story of the start of the end of the universe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, no, let's not talk about the end of the universe. So it's that terrible film with um, Katie Sackhoff, wasn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> But um, so this might be a good time to talk about the philosophy of the film. I, I, I always put this in here just in case you've got something to say. If not, I think I've got something. Um, yeah, 
I suppose the only thing there there wasn't really a great deal of uh, I mean we've kind of covered the philosophy of time travel already in the sense of does something keep existing do you get multiple copies of something or whatever and I think in this very specific idea of time travel they've got it seems they don't it seems they are just rewinding or looping back they're not actually starting anything the fact that the world outside is carrying on shows that it's not a multiple realities thing it's purely purely them looping back around on themselves um so that's that's fine I suppose that the only other element that you could think about philosophically is, you know, how it goes back to the old corporations versus the individual. And while corporation corporationism can be considered, you know, extremely economically right wing, um, you know, ultimately corporate power, uh, low taxes, you know, a low tax society where companies like Amazon or Google or Microsoft can just run riot uh, is very libertarian um, right-wing economic philosophy but on the other hand again um, on the other hand individualism which what the rebels seem to be um, going for is also very uh, a very libertarian Um, it's almost (laughs) anarchy so you've kind of got it's almost that case where you've got two extreme right-wing views and that's all that's left in the world so what actually got the world to this position where there's just no government anymore the you know government has been replaced by corporations um and you know the the rebels aren't don't seem to be marxist or anything they seem to be out for themselves they seem to be double crossing each other as much as they can so they're just anarchists um so something's obviously happened in this world that just in terms of in terms of um governmental slash social philosophy any kind of left-wing social socialist tendencies has just completely gone out the window um or as far as we can see anyway obviously we can't see too much of this world so we don't quite know yeah i I, I, yeah so this brings you back to they didn't give you enough of the background story of the world for you to really understand it but i liked your idea that it's basically two right-wing ideologies that are fighting against each other and it's kind of ironic really if um you know they're both on the same side and yet they're two different versions of the same side and um i mean my my perspective on this is um it's quite poetic because you've got the rebels facing off against the agent of the man who's the corporations um but the state base uh, the status quo never changes um and it's basically like society now isn't it (laughs) It's kind of like a, a, a micro yes. microcosm of reality, you know, the reality and probably of the battle that's going in the world that they're in. But I think, you know, it's the same as what we're doing. We're living in now, isn't it? Like, you know, Amazon are running shot over things. You know, little shopkeepers aren't going to win against Amazon. You know, governments aren't going to win against Amazon. They're just going to do what they want. Um, yeah. So and so the loop is- those of us in the gig economy or whatever in, it ends up being is uh, going to end up being the rebels. <laughs> Exactly. And and that's the thing. It's kind of like no matter how many iterations of this loop they go through, no matter how many tries they they make, they're still never going to beat this representative of the man, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, also, there's the idea that um, uh, Renton is, you know, their classic. He's, he's a success story in um, in the libertarian world, which is, you know, someone who's come up with their own their own um, device that they've they've uh, created something new and they can use it to you know better their own position and you know that's in a meritocracy that's how things are supposed to happen but that in this case the corporations the man just comes and uh comes and takes it off him so it's a repudiation of that right-wing randian philosophy oh yeah i'd be yeah, exactly randian philosophy that's that's what i was going to say um <laughs> uh but speaking of renton you know the fact that you know he's the one that's basically standing between these two opposing philosophies and basically just saying well you know what neither side want need the time machine we're going to basically just just demolish the time machine me and you're going to run off to canada which is still safe for some reason um we're going to go off north we're going to live happily ever after and be happy and whatever and hannah just doesn't want any of it but i like the fact yeah. that he he sticks to his guns until like i don't know towards the end of the loops so like, oh, maybe we'll win um but it's you know i like the fact he was just that man in the middle and basically said no no this is rubbish and, you know one side's going to use it for bad the other side's going to use it for bad. People are still going to die. It either happens. I'd rather the technology doesn't go in anyone's hands. Uh, and then it's a level playing field. Well, it level is, you know. Um, you know, I, I liked that viewpoint. I don't know. Like, what, what, do you think you would have given it to rebels or destroyed it? What would your perspective be? I'd have probably, oh gosh. Um, yeah, I'd have probably destroyed it when you just see how easy it is to get stuck in that loop. Um, and I think that's what he was trying to do the whole time. The only reason he didn't in the end was because she died. 
Um, yeah. So I think that was his goal all the way through. And I think it's quite he quite he clearly realised that he'd unleashed something that was impossible to control. Yeah. Um, so that was the right thing to do, I would say. To it's not even necessarily about oh you guys can use it for bad, you guys can use it for bad as well. It was more just like you know this thing is just too it's, dangerous. Yeah, it's an aberration against the laws of nature. There's no, there's no good way to use it. There's no reliable way to use it, um, because the way it just sucks the entire world in. So yeah, I thought, no, I think I'd be with him. And you know, and in a way, maybe he's the only kind of socially minded person in the entire film. Um, so, when, you, yeah. when you think the poor guy, all he wanted to do was make a way to end world energy shortages, thus give people a better life. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, he has to suffer for it, and it's kind of like you know. Yeah, like you say, he's the only one that's actually looking out for anyone else. Everyone else is just looking out for their own interests. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it was interesting, it was Sonny, where she was just like, or he was just like the Sonny. It's like, you know, um, what, you don't want to give them this power. What will they do with it? It's like, I don't really care. I'll get paid. You know, the, the war's, <laughs> yeah. war's going to carry on whatever happens. I just want to get paid and move on with my life. And it's just like, oh, right, <laughs> fair enough. Um, and, and it's kind of, it, I like the way that showed Sonny's motivations. And the fact, he literally is a man thinking for hire. You know, the next week, the rebels could give him some money and he'd go do something for them. It's kind of like, you know, that, yeah, I suppose, you know, if they'd have offered him the scripts, but then I suppose he could have just taken the scripts and the thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think the Rebels could have made enough money for him not to get paid by Tollus and get go on their bad books. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, did we, we've talked about the twist, haven't we? Yeah, no, I think that was all of our, um, all of our talking points. Um, ah. Yeah, yeah, it was a, um, I, I suppose, yeah, I don't think we need a sequel. I don't, I'm not that interested in this universe i think it was a fun little exploration fun to see, fun to see a well done time travel piece though like i say not really time travel time-based film that actually holds it holds it all together nicely um you know we have obviously found a couple of paradoxes sadly but um yeah overall, it, it made reasonable sense uh, so yeah I, most of the full, most of them collapsing on themselves at one point um so yeah yeah yeah, I agree. It was a nicely done thing. At the time, paradoxes didn't leave you with too many questions. I mean, in fact, the only ones we found were because we really thought about it. Otherwise, you'd yeah. just be left, left satisfied. Um, I mean, the only thing about the twist with the, the 9,000 loops, I think I, I wasn't too satisfied with that because it made, it cheapened it a bit. I was just like, I would rather have it have been the nine loops um, uh, rather than so many thousands because it's just like, well, what have I missed out on all those previous loops? I suppose <laughs> well, I think the point is exactly the same, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, fractional differences, but nothing's ever going to change regardless of what their actions are, which I suppose is like a, a thingy for life, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> the future's not set, or is it set? I don't know what the Terminator one is. But, um, yeah, cool. But, um, yeah, anyway, yeah. I think that covers it. I think we're good. Yeah, I think um, it's time to prorogue this bad boy. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me, as always, uh, Stu, and we'll um, catch you next time on... Uh, Geek Bites. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Um, I think I've fluffed a few lines there. Um, it might be best if we try and do it again. Uh, do you think we can record it again? Oh, we'll kind of spend a bit of time on this. I'm not sure we can really, can we? Or do we accept it? I don't know. Uh, oh, I suppose if we wait till like 20 past nine, I mean, the loop will reset and we can give it another go. Okay, let's see if it turns out any different. Cool. Or I could shoot you in the head, it will come around faster. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.